Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. So let's see if I can do this kind of quickly, and we're going to pray for you. Say, come on, Pastor, you can do it quickly. All right. Now, this is, this is true. I checked this out this morning. I researched it a bit, and I, I didn't get the uh, Peace Corps manual, but I did look at the Columbia Travel Guide, and it actually had a reference to the Peace Corps manual. And I saw another book called Hey, Idiot. It's called Hey, Idiot, and it's Chronicles of Human Stupidity. And this is in both those books, but I didn't actually download the whole manual for the Peace Corps. But this apparently is in the Peace Corps manual, especially for those who travel anywhere near the Amazon Delta and that whole area. And uh, it instructs people on what to do if you're ever attacked by an anaconda. I just wanted to share this wisdom with you just in case... You know, how many know you might be there someday and, you know, you might need this wisdom? So pay attention or else you'll be going, I should have listened to the pastor. <laughs> so here it is. You ready? If you're ever attacked by an anaconda, first of all, do not run. That snake actually is faster than you are. And that snake is probably between 300 and 400 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So do not run. It says do not run. Number two, lie flat on the ground. Put your arms tight against your sides, your legs tight against one another, and tuck in your chin. Sorry, that was number three, tuck in your chin. That's easy for me to do. I don't have a chin, so that's good. It's just, I wish I had a chin, you know? So. Uh, number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. Do not panic. <laughs> After the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from your feet to your head. Always from the feet first. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and your ankles. Do not panic. <laughs> and I understand this is actually the real deal right here. So, so just say thank you. I appreciate this, Pastor. Because, you know, I was wondering what would happen in the Amazon Delta. The snake will now begin to suck in your legs and your body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down and take your knife. That, that should have been like number one. Make sure your knife is with you. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Well, that's actually number nine. So that's good. It says, when the snake, it's crazy. I have it as number nine, isn't it? So the snake will slowly and gently bring you in. So without as much movement as possible, take your knife and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg. Then suddenly, <laughs> rip upwards, severing the snake's head. And these are the last two suggestions. Last two suggestions, I think they should have been probably earlier, but be sure you have your knife. And number 10, be sure your knife is sharp. <laughs> so anyway, I just, I felt that that was very important for you to know today. So somebody will thank me. Someday I'll get an email. Pastor. So what are you doing with that, Pastor? I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is your best friend. 
And I want you to know that you need to keep your edge sharp in your relationship with the Holy Ghost. You need to have a present, current relationship. Because you know what? The enemy comes and he tries to devour, he tries to do things. But when you got the Holy Ghost and you're in a sharp, powerful relationship with the Holy Ghost, and you got the sword of the Spirit, the rhema, the Spirit spoken word of God in your life, you can destroy every single attack of the enemy in your life. And you are anointed to conquer and you are anointed to win all the, all the, all the, all the time. All right, I'm gonna jump into a, a really quick, we're gonna skip through the recap really fast because I don't have time. So here we go. You ready? Here it goes. So Richard's going to help me. Go, Richard, go. Click. Oh, there it is. Jesus' favorite house. Now, this is really cool because John 12, it says, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. Now, this was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home. This was home. Many knew that he was there, and they came. I think that's good, don't you? I want many people to know that Jesus is in the house, and I want them to know that and I want many to come. So there's a revelation of his abiding presence. Okay, very quickly, you got the culture of love we talked about. Go ahead. The culture of formation. We need that formation in our lives like him. Culture of acceptance. Everyone is accepted. Say everyone's accepted. Every single person is accepted. Everyone's accepted. Everyone should be authentic. I mean, I, Jesus is the cause and effect of every aspect of my life and all that I am. And you know, I'm authentic in that. I don't say I'm a follower of Jesus and then look for other ways to try to satisfy the difficulties or the things in my life. I'm very authentic that, you know what, my relationship with him, it leads to radical change. And I don't have other things. I do not try to control situations with things that I'm in control of. I yield myself completely, totally to an intimate relationship with God. And I'm absolutely authentic in that. All right. Honor. We did honor last week. Honor is good. I tell you, man, that word is still working on me. Did that word work on anybody else at all? Like that is still working on me, you know? And, and I just like, oh man, when you, I, I, there's sometimes I, I'm not the president anymore. And I, they had a conference where I wasn't the president and I'm kind of watching. They changed the schedule a bit and they changed some of this and did some things a bit different and had it at a different location. And I was finding myself going, eh. Yeah. Hey, it's awesome, guys. It's awesome. In my head going, that was stupid. What'd they change that for? Yay, you guys are great. Woo, I'm with you 100%. I think that was stupid. And then all of a sudden, the Lord's going, outdo one another in honor. And I went, well, I'm not dishonoring. I'm keeping it to myself, you know. He says, that's cowardly criticism right there. He said, and it's pride. Because you think that maybe you did it better or that that's not so good. I mean, you know what? You're just being annoying right now. And I went, what? And he said, honor's 360, dude. Get out of the way. Bless and love and zip it. And then my wife told me the same thing. And I said, you're not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and you got lettuce on your tooth, too. So <laughs> smell like garlic. But I received from you, honey. So good. I tell you, honor, man, I tell you, when you preach a sermon, it, it doesn't go hit you. I mean, when you preach something, it cuts you first. And that one has been doing a job on me all week. I'm a better man because of my pastor. I tell you. I tell you. Don't get that excited. That was a bit weird, you know? Man, I can't believe how excited you got about that. You can change, pastor. Yeah, you too. Or as Catherine likes to say, you first. Okay. All right. All right. Good. So the abiding presence of God. Let's go through this. You ready? 1 Samuel 10, verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy and then you'll be turned into another man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Woo! 
okay. Hey, this was Saul. He was pulled apart by Samuel. Samuel saw that he was anointed to be king. And he said, Saul, you're going to, he gave him specific details of where we'd go from there. But he said, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You'll prophesy and you'll be turned into another man. Come on, say, you need to get turned into another man. You know, wives, just say that to your husband right now. <laughs> My wife said that. Brad Pitt. I went, that is so wrong. It's not what this text means. Amen. But the Holy Ghost is going to cause a massive transformation. You know, Matthew chapter 8, verse 27. And the men were stunned and bewildered and wondered and marveled, saying, what kind of man is this? I mean, Jesus calms the storm. He speaks to nature. He, he, he declares these things. And I mean, creation is, is responding to his word. And they're literally saying, it literally is like, what species? Like, there's man and then there's this man. Like, we know man, but this is a different kind of man. You see, when the Holy Ghost comes on, you, you are turned into another person, a completely different person. You are not human anymore. You are not just normal or average. You are supernatural. The spirit of Christ is upon you, and you're turned into another person completely. That's what the Holy Ghost does. What kind of man is this, they said about Jesus? In John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that, it's a message. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and we saw the glory with our own eyes. How many want to see the glory? Well, the word moved into the neighborhood. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. The word incarnate moved into the neighborhood. If you want to see the glory of God, it's Jesus. Jesus, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, the one-of-a-kind glory, the glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from the start to the finish. That's from the message. Now, from uh, another translation, I do believe the NLT, it says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He was full of grace and truth, or he was truthfully full of grace. Sincerely, absolutely, with great integrity and faithfulness, he was absolutely gracious. Grace. And we have seen his glory. It's the glory of the Father's one and only Son, the glory of God. This day, this day on Pentecost, this was where the, the Jews would celebrate and still celebrate around the world. May not be today on their calendar, but it is on ours. But the Jews, when they celebrate Pentecost, even today, they celebrate and they reaffirm their commitment to the law of Moses. See, the Holy Spirit descends on the, uh, them, offering them the gospel, the promise of new life to all who believe in Jesus. So, so they celebrate the law was given, but you see, we have the good news and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So at Pentecost, they their Pentecost, they celebrate the law. At our Pentecost, we celebrate that the Spirit of God was given and the body of Christ was born. So Paul, when he talks about it, Paul said that, well, the law is skin deep, but the gospel of grace goes right to the core of your being. The law is an external thing that'll never change you. It'll always just tell you you're a failure, but the grace of God that comes, the Spirit of God that comes, it takes the law, it writes it on your heart, and it enables you, and it fulfills that law in your life, and it brings it into manifestation. So the law is skin deep, but the gospel of grace, it goes right to the core of your life. So you contrast these two Pentecosts. You contrast the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost, it was in Exodus 19 to 32, it was 50 days, say 50. That's what, you want to translate Pentecost into English? 50. What are we celebrating today? 50. 
See, when we say Pentecost, we're not translating the word into English, but the word Pentecost means 50. What are you celebrating today? 50. What is 50? It's 50 days after the Passover. It's 50 days after. What is it 50 days for us? It's 50 days after the finished work of the cross. It's 50 days. 50 days later, we celebrated Pentecost. 50 days. What was it in, in the original when the law was given? Flames and smoke on the mountain. Flames and smoke on the mountain. What else happened? The law, the Ten Commandments, tablets of stone, how to live. We were told how to live. And then fourthly, a drunken party took place. Moses was gone for a long time. They're like, where'd he go? So they decided, you know, the, his brother thought, wow, the people are getting kind of antsy. They don't know where Moses is. So I'm going to make a calf, give him something to celebrate. We're going to dance around the calf and all have a party. Woo! So they had a big drunken party. And then what happened? Moses comes down and he thinks they're celebrating that I'm coming down with the law. Then he comes down, finds out they're worshiping a calf and it was a messed up party and 3,000 people died. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. 3,000 people. So that was the first Pentecost. That's what happened. Let's look at the next Pentecost. Acts chapter two, Pentecost, 50 days. Same thing. What happened? Flames of fire and a violent wind. Same stuff. What else happened? The spirit comes, not the law, but the spirit comes. And now instead of the law and tablets of stone, the law, the spirit of God took the life of God, the, the holiness of God, the purity of God, the, the way to live of God. He took it and he put it on the inside and he baptizes, he empowered us with the very life of God himself. What happened? A drunken party took place. Woo! Nine o'clock in the morning. They all fell out of the upper room. Who thought? Everybody around was like, what a racket, what a noise. I mean, when the Holy Ghost came from heaven, it was a violent tempest blast. It's like an explosion took place and everybody came running to find out what on earth's going on. And all of a sudden, all these guys, 120 of them, come spilling out of the upper room, wrecked. Were they wrecked, pastor? Were they like drunk people? Yes, that's what the Bible says. They looked like drunk people. Sorry, got carried away there. And what happened? That day, 3,000 people came into the kingdom. When the law was given, 3,000 people died. When the Holy Ghost was given, 3,000 people were made alive and came into the kingdom. What does Paul say? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're at this side of the Pentecost? Hey, it's good, good, good. Let me, let me go quickly. Let me go. Let me, let me go quickly. Go quickly, Pastor. Don't go so quickly. Okay. All right. No problem. I don't have to be anywhere for a long time. <laughs> Exodus 33, 3 to 4. This is the whole story now. What happened? Now, this all happened, and then Moses wrote the Ten Commandments again, and he came down, and, and uh, God initially said, Moses, you know what? I'm going to just wipe all these guys out. I'm going to start over with you. And Moses was a really good pastor. Because last time the Lord told me he was going to wipe you guys all out and just start with me, I said, good idea. I did not. He's never said that. But here's God saying, Moses, I want to start with you. But what a good pastor. He said, no, Lord, forgive them. That's a good pastor. Amen. Forgive them. I mean, they've been wretches, but forgive them. I mean, a good guy. But, but not just that. He didn't just say forgive them. He said, all right, I'm going to forgive them. He said, okay, take them now. Go into the land that I promised you. Go to the land that's full of milk and honey, but I will not travel with you. God just was a bit touchy that day. And, you know, you're annoying. I'm going to travel on my own. I'm not going in your car. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. 
So he said, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to travel with you because you're stubborn and you're rebellious. And I, you know what? I'd probably get so mad, I'd probably slap you along the way. And so I'm going to get really upset. So when the other people heard this, though, everybody heard this. Everybody heard the stern words. The ESV translation calls it, it was a disastrous word from God. That is a disastrous word, Lord. When they heard the Lord give, that's a disastrous word. It's unacceptable. It's just wrong. When they all heard the stern words, they went into mourning. They took off all their jewelry. They took, a, you know, they'd just come out of Egypt. Where'd they get the jewelry from Egypt? Where'd they get all they had, the beautiful fine clothes? They came out of Egypt with all the wealth of Egypt. And they said, you know what? God bless us with this. They took it all off, said, none of this matters. I don't even care what you gave us. I don't care what you brought us out of Egypt with. If you're not going with us, I don't want anything that you've ever given me. You are the only thing I want. And the whole group of people, the whole group of people took off everything that they, they thought, God, you've been so good to me. Look at this. They took away all the blessings, all the gifts, all the stuff. They said, the stuff doesn't matter if I don't have you. Amen. Say, that was good, Pastor. All right. So that's what happened right there. All right. So then Moses secured these three things. Moses secured forgiveness. Then he went and he talked to God and he said, look, he said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I mean, what sets us apart? What sets us apart from any other nation in the world? I mean, if you're not with us and it's not your presence with us, what will set us apart? I don't want, you know, all this stuff. What I want to distinguish me is you. I don't want the stuff. And I know you're saying, look, I promised you a land of milk and honey. Go into the land of milk and honey. You can still walk into my promise for you. You can still step into your inheritance. You can still have all the blessing that I promised you, but I will not go with you. I don't want the stuff if I don't have you. I don't want to enjoy the benefits of a relationship without the relationship. That's what they wanted. So he says, it's your presence that sets us apart. So Moses negotiated, and he said, not an angel, not even our inheritance without you. We want your presence. And then the Lord said, all right, I'm going to go with you. And then that wasn't enough, though. One more thing, Lord. I mean, the guy who didn't want to go with you, the guy who said, you're stiff-necked and stubborn. Forgive them, let your presence go with us, and, whoa, I've got you in a good mood. Show me your glory. I want to see your glory. I want your glory. So he went after it. He just went for the glory of God. And then in Exodus chapter 34, 6, and 7, here's what happened. He said, I'm going to hide you in a cleft of the rock. And he says, if you want to see my glory, here's what he said. He said, you want my glory? My goodness will pass before you. So what can you do with that? What can you do with glory and my goodness will pass before you? What can you do with that? The glory of God is the, excuse me? He's going to let his happy feelings pass before me. He's going to let the fuzzy pass before me. He's going to let these pins and needles feelings jab me all over. What's going to pass before you? What is going to be manifest? What are you going to see when you see the glory? The goodness of God. 
the goodness of God. And look, at, he starts to explain it. He starts to unpack it. He says, when, when he started to go before me, he began to unpack it. And he said, here it is. You ready? Here's the goodness of God. Here's the description now, even further, of the goodness of God. Yahweh, the Lord, the God. Yahweh, the Lord, the God. The three different titles for God. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and the God of mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. What is this? This is God himself defining the glory. This is the glory of God. What is it? It's compassion. It's mercy. It's not anger. It's unfailing love. It's faithfulness. It's lavishing the unfailing love of God to a thousand generations. And then a thousand and one, it's over. When he says a thousand generations, he means generations without end. As I'm a God who's good, never stops being good. I'm a God who forgives, who shows mercy, who shows compassion, who lavishes you with his unfailing love. God says, you want to see my glory? It's all this stuff. And then, end quote. No, I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. Isn't that good? How many got some iniquity and rebellion and sin going on? Three people. That's good. Four. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Five, six, seven. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're not in a sin relationship with God anymore because he's forgiven you. You know what he does with sin? He throws it in your face every day. You know what he does with sin? He forgives it. Then it goes on. It says guilt. Interesting. He says, but I do not excuse the guilty. What are the guilty? This side of the cross, the guilty are those who choose to remain under wrath, which is not the wrath of God. It's the wrath of sin. It's the consequences of sin. See, God has said, I've come to remove you from sin. I've come to forgive you from sin. But those who decide to stay guilty, he says, I can't help you. But I can do anything for those who want to receive my nature and want to bask in my glory. And the beautiful thing is it's absolutely, totally free. It's not something you got to earn or do 14 Holy Ghost push-ups or cartwheels in the special Scooby-Dooby realm. It's God himself lavishing it on you because of his good nature. Now, you know what that will cause you to do? Cartwheels in the Scooby-Dooby realm. <laughs> Holy Ghost push-ups because you're excited. But none of that gets you the glory. All of that happens because you get a revelation of, he's given me the glory. Uh, I had to pause here because there's going to be cartwheels. Did I tell you about the anaconda? And this, the anaconda and the Boy Scout walked into a bar. <laughs> The anaconda said, you got a knife. <laughs> it's the lavishing of his unfailing love on a generation. There you go. That was the Holy Ghost right there. Gotcha. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians 3, 9, and 10. We're coming to a, a rapid conclusion. I'm going fast. In the old 
if the old way, which brings condemnation, which was the law, this is Paul talking about the law, it was glorious. Because when Moses came down the mountain after being in the presence with God, he was so full of the glory of God that his face was shining. They finally had to say, please put a lid over your face because you're blinding us, you know? So, so they, they dealt with that and he had to put a thing on. But it was fading away, but it was so bright. Now, how many think that would pretty, be pretty cool if you went into work and they said, what is that? Oh, I, was just, I was just hanging out with Jesus in my devotions and, you know, it was pretty awesome time and the light just penetrated every part of me. Oh, could you put a cover on that for the rest of the day? And yet that's what happened to Moses in the old covenant. But it says that how much more glorious is the new way, is the new covenant. Glorious in this new way, which makes us right with God. In fact, the first glory was not even glorious. In fact, the first glory compared to this glory wasn't even glory. In fact, there's no comparison. It was no glory compared to the glory that we're in. Not compared at all because the glory we're in is an overwhelming glory overwhelming glory. I mean, that glory was tangible. It, it impacted people physically. The glory we have as a gift, it, it, it so overpowers that glory that you can't even compare to it. That's not glory. This glory so surpasses it. Give you a few more verses. Give you a few more Second Corinthians 3.18. And we all with an unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So where does this whole aspect of going and experiencing, you don't, it's not that there's more glory to have because there's just glory but there's more glory that you can unpack in your own personal understanding and revelation. You can get more because you unpack what's already there. Because when Jesus prayed, give them the glory, he didn't say give them the glory with measure. He said, give them the glory. The only way you get more is you unpack how incredibly amazing it is and you get more through revelation. And that's really all there is. If you're kind of going, sell me more glory, you're developing in yourself a mindset that God's holding out on you. You develop a mindset when you come to church, you go, please, more glory, please. You're really announcing to everybody around you that you believe that God has held out on you until you could do 10 more grunts for glory. If you did five more Holy Ghost push-ups, 25 more things, maybe you should deal with sin in your life and I'd give you more glory. You know what? He gave you the glory. It's a gift. It's not something you qualified for. It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, which is the glory, the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom, is a gift. It's the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom without measure. And if you've only got a part of it or, or you think there's more, then embrace it because it's there. Drink of it because it's there. It's not lessened in your life because he's holding out because he will never hold out on you. I know some of you really believe that and you want to hang on to that doctrine because it works for you, but it's rubbish. Thank you. It really is. And the quicker you unpack that, you'll actually experience more glory because the thing that's keeping you in less glory is your thought that it comes by measure. It doesn't come by measure. It comes by revelation. Doesn't mean it's limited. He doesn't hold out on you. All right, say thank you, pastor. That was good. I still don't agree with you, but you're cute. Okay. Okay, what will set us apart? What will set us apart? I mean, that was Moses' cry. We, we, I don't want the stuff. I don't want to even step into an inheritance if I don't have you. I don't want an inheritance if I don't have him. There's a lot of people I think would try to find ways. I'm, I'm going to a course to learn how to get the blessings. Who cares? 
It's a terrible thing if, if you think getting the stuff or unpacking your inheritance without him is something you desire. It's a one-step program. You ready? He's giving you one spirit to drink. It's a one-step program. Just stay whacked in the Holy Ghost. Keep your knife sharp. Stay in an intimate relationship with him. And that's what it is. And get revelation. Unpack the stuff. Do all those things. But never, ever desire stuff without him. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out. All right. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Spirit of God and that he dwells in you? He's not up there. He doesn't come by observation. We don't bring him up. We don't do enough stuff to finally produce him. He is always there always. Now, you can have a clouded manifestation of him because of your life, but that does not mean that he's not there. He is there. John said, you have the anointing of the Holy One, and it abides in you permanently. That's not my word. It's the word of God. And so if the Holy Ghost is in you permanently, he's in you permanently. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Pentecost, you shall receive partial degrees of power a little bit at a time, depending on the degree of purity you're walking in. It's not what the Bible says. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Dunamis, the power of God. I mean, Peter, when he went out and he healed the guy at the gate beautiful, they went, you must be God. You must be special. You did a miracle. And Peter said, it's not because of me or because of my piety or my personal holiness or purity. This didn't happen because I'm a special man. This happened because I used what I know is legally my right to do, I used the name of Jesus. And in response to invoking the authority of heaven in the name of Jesus, all of heaven has invaded this guy's life and it's made everything wrong right. Boom, power. That's why you see, if you can see on the screen there, I, I highlighted the semicolon. Some translations have a colon, some a comma, some poor translations, but really that's the end of the thought. If you understand grammar, that's the end of the thought. Here is the thought. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. Yes, pastor, power to be a witness. No, stop that. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. The same power that Jesus operated in, the same power that raises the dead, that calms storms, the same power that speaks, the same power. You got power. And some people say, yes, but it's only the power to be a witness. No, it's not. It's the power of God. And here's what's going to happen because you have the power of God. This, this isn't limited or this isn't all you can do, but the power of God on you, you're going to be. Say be. be. The power doesn't make you do witnessing. The power makes you be. It makes you embody. It makes you walk around with the full revelation. You are now a living, breathing, mobile tabernacle of the presence of God. And everywhere you go, you dispense Big Macs because that's what McDonald's does. You're a dispenser of heavenly favor because you have the power from on high to alleviate pain and broken situations everywhere you go because you carry the very kingdom and the power and the anointing from on high. And you do that because you received power. You didn't earn power. You didn't deserve power. You received power and it was the will of God to give it to you and you said, if you want to do it, I say yes. Bring it on, big fella. Now that power will work in your life. That power will make you a better person. 
But you don't have to be a better person to get the power. But it will make you a better person. It really will. All right, and then you're going to go. You're going to be a witness. Ephesians 2.22. In him and in fellowship with one another. In him and in fellowship with one another. Not just in him by yourself, but in a communion and fellowship with one another. You yourselves, plural, are being built, plural, into a structure with the rest to form the fixed abode. The fixed abode, the dwelling place of God by and through the Spirit. The church was born at Pentecost. That's the purpose of Pentecost. Not to empower some individuals to do some goofy stuff. But it was a church that was born in power to manifest the very same nature, ability, and strength of Jesus to take that glory into all the earth. And it's happening. Have you not seen? Have you not heard how incredible it is the things God's doing all over the earth? All of this began with 120 people getting whacked in the glory and spilling out of an upper room like a bunch of drunk people. The very first church meeting, it was just a whack out, just a mess. It's the very first meeting, the pastor had to get up going, okay, sorry about that. Hey, if we have any visitors here, here's the guest pack. And uh, I know it's messy. I know all of us are really, looks like we're drunk, but we're just whacked out in the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm sorry, I just want to explain to you what you're seeing. It's actually in the Bible. It's in this passage here. It says, the Spirit will come upon us and you will prophesy your sons and daughters. And, and this is that. This is that. I don't know if you're having a Pentecostal service if everything is predictable and explainable. Because Peter had to get up. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, this is that. I know it's a bit messy, but please fill out the gift card and uh, we're going to get you a Tim Hortons card and we invite you back. I know it was a little odd, but you're going to be okay. A church was born in power, a church that is the fixed abode, the dwelling place of Almighty God. All right, I can see Cheryl tapping on the clock right now. <laughs> All right, so Isaiah 60, verse 1, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Living Bible, best actually translation is arise, my people, let your light shine, let the nation see, for the glory of the Lord is streaming from you. The glory of the Lord is streaming out of your belly. And it doesn't even have to be voluntary. It can be involuntary. Well, like when Peter went walking places, his shadow healed people. It wasn't, he wasn't even trying. Hey, let's go evangelize today. Yeah, let's go. Ooh, da, da, ba, ba, ba. He was just like, hey, I'm going to Max. Be back in a minute. Going to get some milk. And on the way, people were getting whacked and healed because he was being a witness. He was being a carrier. He was just being himself. The power of God is all over you. The fullness of the Godhead indwells you. Everything you need to manifest the kingdom is in you. And we just need to let it out. You see, let the river flow. So real quick, you ready? Real quick. John, John chapter 7, 37, 39. If anyone thirsts, if anyone is not manifesting, if anybody, you know, there's not going on in your life, come and drink. Come and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, not achieve, but receive. That was so gracious how Carly plunked the piano right there. I was going to say. It didn't bother me a bit. You, you woke up three people over there. But a... Out of your belly, out of your heart flows rivers. They flow. It's just natural stuff. Let me recap now the whole thing. You ready? What were we talking about? Love. 
Love. You want to go be supernatural, do some incredible stuff? Love everybody on purpose. You want to go do some supernatural stuff? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It says, as he is, so are you in this world. The stuff that he did when you read the Gospels, you can do it too. Acceptance. Accept every single person. It's not your responsibility to change them or preach to them or tell them they're wrong. It's your responsibility to love them and care for them and tell them they belong. Authenticity. Please be real. Please be authentic. Please please manifest that sometimes you, you go to other things to get your needs met, and I should never do it. Please be authentic that, you know, sometimes I'm not quite right. Sometimes I, I go to other control mechanisms to try to comfort myself. But you know what? He alone is really my source. Be authentic about that. Honor everyone. In fact, outdo each other in honoring each other. Outdo each other in manifesting honor. Not up. Not honor those above you. Honor everybody around you. Make honor a part of your life where you love the fact that you esteem every person you run into as more important than yourself. Make that a part of your life. You know what that is? That's manifesting the glory. That all those things, compassion, loving kindness, all those things, that's the abiding presence of God in your life. I tell you, when you do that, all the supernatural naturally follows because where there's great love, there's great miracles. Come on, stand with me. We'll pray. So I'm going to ask our elders again and all those that did ministry earlier. I know you prayed for all kinds of people, but there still could be somebody who needs prayer before we go. So I'm going to ask our elders and other leaders and prayer ministry team just to come on up here again and just be ready to minister to folks. But I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Just give me a second, okay? Just just every head bowed, eyes closed right now in Jesus' name. Just all the believers just praying, just praying, praying, praying. Now, if you're here today and you wandered in and you're like, I don't know what's fully going on here anyway, but, but, but you know that there's something happening in your heart and you know that if there's a relationship with Jesus to be had, if there's a relationship with God that I can have, if there's a presence of God, just like Moses, I don't want to go through life without his presence. I don't want to go through life without the love of my heavenly father. I don't want to go through life without the knowledge of him being with me and me being with him. And if you want to accept the fact that he's your savior and accept the fact that he's the Lord of your life, and you've never done that before, but you want to right now clearly say, I want to be and I want to manifest I'm a child of God, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. So you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, and at three, just throw your hand up really high so I can see it. Nobody else matters. Nobody else is looking around. This is you and a loving Savior who cares for you. You ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand up all the way up, all the way, big and bold. Throw it way up so I can see it. Way up so I can see it. I got one up the front here. Anybody else? Anyone else? Just put your hand up just high so we can see it. All right. Can we pray? You want to pray? Everybody's going to pray, so you pray. Lift up your voice. You ready? Thank you, Jesus, that you're my Lord and you're my Savior. Thank you for giving your life for me. I embrace you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that I'm forgiven, that I'm healed, and that I'm free. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Christ. I confess you as risen from the dead for my sin. So now come in and Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit.
that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me bless you. All right, going to send you. What a beautiful long weekend, and so good to see you all. Bless you, bless you. Father, just bless this house. I thank you for each and every one. Just command your richest blessing on each one. We pray, Father, for an amazing summer, full of heat and every weekend full of sunshine. Pray, Lord, that you just bless our families and all we hold dear. We pray that the wonderful love of the Father, that the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Ghost would be with each and every one of us right now and always. In Jesus' precious name, amen.